number amazing. two on iTunes pop yeah. charts, like top ten Billboard, yeah, yeah. like top, like yeah, charting, all that stuff. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, and now it has what? I mean, million, 10, 11, 11 million, million yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, crazy. and it's like the cool thing about um, TikTok is like it's really direct to listeners. Mm. And, and like, you know, I didn't really get much playlisting for that song, right. if anything. So it's been like entirely just organic. This episode is brought to you by Band Zoogle. This is how you should be creating your website. I've made many websites on Banzoogle for years, long before they were paying me to tell you about it. I told everyone about it because it's super, super easy. Don't mess around with web developers. Let me tell you, the most frustrating people on planet Earth are web developers. No offense to my brother, who is a web developer. He's amazing. He was the one who originally built Ari'sTake.com. You're awesome, Mika. Hey, what up? Okay. Uh, but they're frustrating. They're always overworked. They take on too many projects. They're always getting sniped by startups that will pay them way more than any independent musician can pay them. So you should not be messing around with web developers. Stop paying web developers. Seriously, you know this by now. If you have been hiring web developers for your websites, you can't get a hold of them. You can't afford them. And they are just, the turnaround times are way too long. So Banzoogle, this is how you can build a website. It's super easy. They also have a built-in store, commission-free. You can sell music. You can sell downloads, PDFs, whatever you want to sell. It's all commission-free. They have a crowdfunding service. This is new. That's also commission-free. They also have a subscription service on there if you want to kind of start your own fan club and have subscribers, fans, patrons, whatever you want to call them, commission-free. This is all at banzoogle.com. You can get a 30-day free trial if you use the code ARI. That's my name. And you also get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Go to banzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. That's just spelled A-R-I for 15% off the first year of any subscription. Organic. What's going on? Welcome to season two of the New Music Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. This first episode of the new season is with Mothika. She is an incredible artist in the uh, pop realm. She kind of blew up in 2020 from TikTok. And she's one of those crazy TikTok success stories. Now, she's been an artist. She's been releasing music for about six years now. And uh, she released her debut album in 2020. And we talk all about that. And kind of uh, the pandemic and the quarantining and everything got her to to try out TikTok. And she exploded from there. And, and I'll let her tell you the story of how it all happened and what happened since then. We recorded this outside in person in December, socially distanced. We were very, very, very careful. Um, we were wearing masks as we were setting up and tearing down. We took them off only for the interview. We sat uh, actually about 10 to 15 feet away from each other and was outside. So uh, we made sure that we were being very safe. And uh, yeah, she is a great artist who has a 
incredible story, and she we we touched on it a little bit. But after her song went viral on TikTok, it also went crazy everywhere else, and she had she got 25 million streams on just Spotify in 2020. She has around a million monthly listeners on Spotify. And she hit number two on the iTunes pop charts from that song, all from uh, from TikTok, really. And what's what's so interesting is she's not really on any official. I think she's on one or two official Spotify playlists that aren't really doing much, not really driving that much traffic. But she's got a million monthly listeners and uh, a lot of real fans. And she's selling a boatload of merch. She funded a very high production value music video based on her merch sales, and she talks about how she did that. So this is a really interesting conversation. If you are deciding to explore TikTok or trying to figure out what that means or if you wanted to integrate it into your strategy or, or even just want to learn about it, you're going to really enjoy this interview. As always, please follow and subscribe to the show. However you're listening to this right now, please pause hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. That really helps. And if you're watching this on YouTube, after you listen to this, please comment on the video. That super helps. You can find Mothica on Instagram, at Mothica. On TikTok, she's Mothica Music. And on Twitter, she is at Dear Mothica. Find her in those places. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram or Twitter at Ari's Take. And remember to sign up for that email list. If you're not already on our email list, you're missing out on some very important information that we send out, that I send out, any of my current musings on the industry or anything that I'm learning. Go to Ari'sTake.com and sign up on that email list. All right, let's kick into the show. This is great. You're one of the first humans that I've seen outside of my quarantine. Oh. Uh, in a in a long time, so this is great. How have you been the last oh, fuck nine months? It's been now, or however long it's been. Like, how has quarantine been for you, creatively, emotionally, professionally? Uh, well, the quarantine started with a canceled tour. Uh, yeah, so I was going to be in the East Coast. And Did you get any of the shows? Were you able to do any of the shows? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm glad I wasn't already there, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and then I went back to my parents' house in Oklahoma for six months. Okay. And um, didn't make any music mm. at all and mm. felt awful. And then I... It's funny enough that, like, I started making TikToks to, like, not focus on music and now it's like during quarantine is when i've had the most like fans and listeners <laughs> so it's kind of a blessing in disguise that yeah. the tour got canceled and that you were forced to entertain yourself or figure out something and you dove into that tiktok yes. rabbit hole yeah. were you a user like a consumer of TikTok before you were a, uh, what do you call it, a, a creator, I guess? Uh, I had it, but I didn't look at it for like six hours a day yeah. like I did in quarantine. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Right, because that is a big part of your story now. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, you're the artist that blew up on TikTok. And when people talk 2020 music TikTok mm. stories, your name always comes up. And... That's kind of what catapulted vices. Yes. When, um, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. So you got on TikTok in, when did you get on? Like um, March, April? So I started in April. Okay. I started in April with yeah. like 800 
followers and uh, kind of, it's like a learning curve where I was like making weird videos that like did not make sense at all yeah. on the platform until I kind of <laughs> learned to what other people do is like use sounds and yeah. It seems like that <laughs> shifts almost every day and they add new features. Oh, yeah. And so to like stay up on that, like when duets came and when they're, you know, oh, all of yeah. that, there's like all these new interesting features and like I still feel like I'm a grandpa. I'm not so I technically I think have four accounts on TikTok because oh I keep God. getting locked out of them. Oh, and no. I <laughs> and I can't figure it out. And so like I yeah. don't have my username of Ari Herstand because somebody grabbed it. I don't no. know why. I did the login through Facebook, which got me like my my Facebook name, which was um Ari Seth Herstand, but then I couldn't get back into that. Then I'm somehow <laughs> registered through I I wanna say email, but I don't know, and I'm like Ari underscore Herstand. But then I got locked out of that, and I tried to do the no. password reset. And, like, the email they say is not registered. We're like, I, just, I, I for sure read, you're sending me. So I'm like, I feel like I'm very uh, out of the loop. Mm -hmm. But I still go on to kind of check out a bit to learn. Yes. But it's it's hopeless for me to even try to start posting and all that stuff. But so You should. I should. Yeah, you should. You think, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that because <laughs> I'm on the fence when it comes to TikTok. I mean, mm, yeah. I've seen what it's done for you and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, but like, okay, so I guess let's go there. So for, would you advise musicians to start using TikTok? And if so, like, what is even the, like, what would, where would you start with them? What would you tell them to do? Yeah. I, well, I think it depends on what kind of musician you are. Okay. For me, I usually tell the backstory of songs or I'll have the audio playing and then I'll be have little uh, bubbles pop up and yeah. say what the lyrics mean to me. Cool. I love that. Um, I think a lot of musicians do well if they, like, cover songs or they sing a live performance of their song. Cool. Um, yeah. And just, like... You can try like anything. I don't yeah. know. That's what I do. It, I, it's like my content's all over the place because yeah. I just do jokes sometimes. You had a series going where <laughs> there was a yellow duck as a yes. tea kettle or something. <laughs> what was that about? Yeah. So yeah, my mom um, gave me this duck-shaped kettle, uh -huh. and <laughs> I just randomly decided to show it to the internet. And of course, the internet likes that more. Oh yeah. Than it, any other video. <laughs> it blew up. I was like looking like there's three million views yeah, on yeah. this duck. Yeah. But, yeah okay. Yeah. So that's right. But but what's also so interesting though is that Vices blew up as a song like you were just listening to the song yes. in your car, listening to a master. The song wasn't even out. Yeah. And so you're listening to the song and then that just so what happened? Like tell me about that process. So you had like eight hundred followers, but yeah. like how does that go to five million views? Um well it's it's I don't really understand the algorithm sometimes but yeah uh basically i listened to my mastered songs in my car and it got really emotional and i was like it was like sunset yeah. and um i posted a clip of a different song a few days before vices yeah same setting same everything and you know it got like fifty thousand plays and i Sorry. don't know why but i just felt compelled to share this other clip from yeah. that same it was like a whole video and it was like minutes long huh. um and i just shared this other little clip and it was like in the middle of the song and i think the fact i'm emotional mm. in it and the story of it um 
is what people liked, but I honestly don't know why an identical video yeah. of a different song didn't work. You it's know? so interesting. I've, I've heard a few artists talk about that where yeah. similarly they'll have something go viral on TikTok. They have no idea. We're like, yeah, this just got 300,000 views in like a day mm -hmm. and I have no idea why. Mm -hmm. just, and so the algorithm kind of grabs that. And that is what's so cool about TikTok versus Instagram or, you know, Facebook or even yeah. YouTube is that you don't even need to have that many followers for the algorithm to pick it up and just like shoot it off oh, yeah. into the space. I actually heard that your followers don't actually matter huh. to the views. Wow. And it's all based on the video itself. Yeah. Because I don't have consistent views on all my videos. You know, sometimes it'll be a million, sometimes right. it'll be less than 10,000. Yeah. And it's all the video itself is what. Um, matters so. so what was that like when when did you notice that something was happening with that video on tiktok um <laughs> well in the first few hours it got eighty thousand plays which i thought was wow. like well th i thought that was yeah crazy and i was telling huh. everyone and um i mean it I think the first night it ended at like 600,000 yeah and i was like okay this is big and i uh rush to put it out early because it wasn't going to come out for another month oh yeah oh wow and so i mean that that's smart yeah because this, <laughs> that was the fire that was happening right oh, then. yeah so did you have to change uh the release schedule did you have to work you you're with awol right yeah for distribution? yeah so hit them up and be like yo we got to get this out like yesterday yes okay. and uh <laughs> everyone told me not to yeah oh and at AWOL? yeah yeah they told me not to right. but i was like i've never had this happen yeah. especially with my music um so i was like i'm just gonna try it and if it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah and it worked so yeah and i'm gr like it's number amazing. two on itunes pop yeah. charts like top 10 billboard yeah, yeah. like top like yeah charting all that stuff yeah. it's crazy um and now it has what I mean, million, 10, 11, 11 million, million yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, Crazy. and it's like the cool thing about um, TikTok is like it's really direct to listeners. Mm. And, and like, you know, I didn't really get much playlisting for that song, right. if anything. So it's been like entirely just organic. That's what's so cool to me is that, mm -hmm. all right, so you're at about a million monthly listeners on Spotify. You have... Almost... <laughs> oh, almost right. I saw. I looked at it right before yeah. we came. I was like, she's she's pretty much there. Yeah. But uh, but like, you're you're on one or two official editorial mm. playlists, yeah. and that's like virtually unheard of in this day and age, where someone is. And you also have like I don't know, fifty, hundred millions total streams, probably more. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like no official playlisting. And are there any other strategies that we're not seeing behind the scenes that you would uh, attribute to that? Because, um, yeah. Well, I have a lot of songs. Okay. So I probably have like 60, over 60 songs out huh. that are like remixes, features. Yeah. A lot of my songs where I'm a featured vocalist have more plays. Yeah. You know, this one song, this one remix has been like, you know, still going yeah like years later um and i i think it's like on all these like yoga and chill playlists <laughs> people <laughs> cool. it's like background music <laughs> okay yeah cool um but uh no other than that it's uh i mean collaborating a lot yeah. probably so w let's talk about collaborating because well for one so 
do you consider your album Blue Hour like a, your debut mm-hmm. album, even though you've been releasing music for like six years? Yeah. This yeah. is the official album album. Yes. So okay. I did three EPs yeah. and then I was like, I can't do a fourth EP. Okay. Like this has to be an album. And um, yeah, luckily I had a groundbreaking personal life experience of getting yeah. sober and mm-hmm. that inspired a lot of songs. Yeah. Um, and I saw because when you mentioned collaborating, there's behind the scenes collaborating and then mm-hmm. there's like in front of the scenes oh, collaborating. Yeah. So like you being a featured vocalist on someone else's track that's like very public it's like oh she mm-hmm. collaborated they collaborated you know working with other artists but like i was looking at some of the credits on blue hour and you have a lot of co-writers oh, yeah. different producers yeah. so talk about that experience of making this record and, and where all these people came from yeah i mean i kind of got into the songwriting scene in new york where you just do these like blind date sessions uh-huh. sometimes i write for other people sometimes they write for me yeah. and it'll be like you know a producer and another songwriter usually and um yeah and I, when i first started my first ep i was entirely like produced by me and my uh-huh. like dorm and as i started working with producers that are like so much better yeah it just became so much easier to finish a song Mm. you know with uh other people involved i mean i have so many sitting songs that i won't finish because they're just (laughs) done by me by myself yeah um sometimes you need that other person to be like an accountability partner yeah to just like say no we're finishing this like let's just finish yeah that energy so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I always want to do like have an executive producer on Mm. something, but I am in so many sessions that like it ends up that I work with so many people and I just have to hope it. The sound is, is cohesive. Okay. Yeah. So interesting to me is this like, I'm listening to the record and I'm also, and I'm looking at the credits. I'm like, wow, there's, (laughs) these are totally different people, different producers, different songwriters. Like, how did you make the sound cohesive? Was there an executive? Was there a producer at the end that was like, "All right, we're just going to tweak this stuff uh, to make it sound like it's the same record"? Well, I guess me, um, yeah. because okay. I did used to produce. Like, I kind of know what I want the sounds to be, Makes and sense. usually when I go into a session, I know I already know what the song title is going to be. I know what I want the general sound or feeling to be so you're like driving the train when you get in there so it's like okay we're working a song for me Mm -hmm. and so it's very much like you're kind of in control in that yeah and with songwriters um usually uh my biggest thing is like needing help with like harmonies and more like technical singing stuff Mm -hmm. because i still am such a visual artist that like i i think about music and like visually and so the technical abilities of like harmonies and stuff i'm like what's a third a fifth so you don't have much formal training music training yeah no okay yeah so were you self-taught on piano production guitar what's your i did do classical guitar in high school okay but i don't tell people that because then they think i'm gonna be good yeah and i'm not (laughs) i can do like a scale classical guitar sounds fancy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean i had i had music experience from that and that's actually why i started writing my own songs was Mm. i would learn little arpeggiated patterns and uh i would cover acoustic songs so um yeah and when you so you started writing music in high school or yeah yeah i would say i mean i've always kind of just done anything artistic or creative um Mm -hmm. in general but 
yeah, music was kind of like my very secret like outlet in yeah. high school, but yeah. I wanted to go into visual art. Yeah. That's it makes a lot of sense because the Mafica brand <laughs> is very visual mm, yeah. and it's also very um honed. Mm. Like I think you think of Mafica and it like instantly you know what that is that mm. the world is. And I think a lot of artists struggle with creating that world that that you know branding is like the yeah. the stale marketing term for it. But like mm -hmm. you've done such a great job of branding. Talk a little bit about uh, kind of how you created the Mafico world and the yeah. aesthetic and all of that. Um, well, it's really easy when you have an animal mascot <laughs> <laughs> the moth. to put moths okay. on everything. Right. But um, yeah, just like my personal style and like, uh, you know, I even in, you know, middle school when everyone w wanted to be Avril Lavigne and, yeah. you know, I just never grew out of that. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, like, darker imagery, and um, because I do, like, graphic design and visual art, I always yeah. am thinking about that, too. Cool. Um, do you do your, gra your own graphics and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. I, like, edit videos in Premiere. I uh, do graphics. Wow. I, I design, like, all my merch. Um, yeah, it's, it's great for me, though, because I get so bored with one thing yeah. that, like, I could never just be a singer, you know? Like, yeah. I don't even think of myself as a, like, vocalist. Sure. I think of it being the everything involved. You're the artist. Yeah. And all, all that entails. And, I mean, that's so cool to know that you do your merch designs mm -hmm. and the graphics and, and the video editing for a lot of the stuff. Um, but that, I mean, so that makes a lot of sense that the world comes from that. Was there any specific um like when you were when you created the mafica mm -hmm. world the artist the was there did you like vibe boarded out or like vision board or anything like oh, that or um yeah well I, i've always had like pinterest boards and okay. tumblers yeah and Tumblr. honestly yeah. i don't even think i've ever matched my aesthetic to what i want my aesthetic to be uh -huh. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm always thinking visually like cool. that for yeah. sure. It it really helps communicate and tell the story. Mm -hmm. And it what's interesting is it's like it puts it in a different category. Like just listening to the music, um, it's it sonically very pop. Mm -hmm. Once you start to dig into the lyrics, you're like, oh, there's some dark shit here, and it's like, oh, this is really intense, and like this is this is like telling a real story. It's just like, whoa, like yeah. what's happening with this? But that's where like then it starts, the aesthetic starts to kind of make sense with it and it and it, it works. Whereas like, I think a lot of artists push against the branding aesthetic thing. Mm -hmm. But like if, you know, the music only tells one part of the story and, you know, sonically it only tells one part, but then, you know, lyrics, it just tells another part. But, like, I really do feel this whole world yeah. of Mafica. Well, what I just kind of dawned on me that, you know, I started I started out as more of a visual artist. Mm. So it, like, makes sense that, like, my visual aesthetic and, you know, style and everything is... I feel like I've been trying to find my sonic sound, like, the entire time I've been making music. Like, yeah. if you hear my first EP, like, even the way I pronounce words, <laughs> so different. Um, it's embarrassing. Did but you go faux British for that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, like, you know, the indie girl 
voice or whatever. Oh, sure. Um, singing in cursive, yeah. Singing um, in cursive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> do you have a ukulele for that, too? <laughs> I, I do have some ukulele yeah, songs. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Naturally, right. But I think it's always been interesting because I grew up in kind of the more, like, emo, Hot Topic, warp Tour world. Right. Um, and that's my personal aesthetic. But then I love pop songs, and yeah. I love the clean, finished base of electronic music yeah um and so my unreleased next ep i think is like the amalgamation of those mm. things and it's cool. finally like okay this is what i should be doing yeah um yeah and i mean the sound is very of now mm -hmm. like it is very pop of mm -hmm. the moment which works really well um and it's it's cool because but but when you have the lyrics and the stories that you're telling is what really makes it hit so hard. Yeah. Is because, like, there's a lot of songs out there in the pop realm that so that have this, this sonic consistency, mm -hmm. I guess. You know, it's just like, um, but when it, when you kind of dig in lyrically, like, you're telling a story that is patently you and that comes from you mm -hmm. and it's like you can't necessarily lift a lot of your songs and like place it on another artist because it is so deeply you um when you were in these writing sessions did you at times find that some of your co-writers were trying to go in maybe a, a more um universal mm. direction lyrically and you're like you know what i need to tell this story and i need to say it this way yeah, I, I definitely tried to think about that a little bit just uh, because, you know, a lot of the songs were about sobriety yeah. and getting sober and drinking. And um, while I left in a lot of personal details, I didn't want anyone to feel like they couldn't listen to it, right. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's always been like I look up to songwriters like Julia Michaels, yeah, you know, who's yeah. so honest and raw with yes. her story. And so I've just always tried to write about my experience. I've never written from like someone else's perspective, mm. but I kind of want to try it sometime. Yeah. I mean, Julia Michaels is interesting because she was a behind the scenes songwriter yeah. for so many years. You know, she wrote Justin Bieber's Sorry. Yeah. And and so many other hits, Fifth Dimension, like the whole thing just mm -hmm. runs the gamut of how many hits that she had under her writing credit before she even came out with issues mm -hmm. or her record, all of that. Um, and it's it's interesting because, yeah, when she does write for herself and has her own artist songs, those songs are her. But she's able to kind of then yes. wear somebody else's shoes or like going and be like, all right, we're writing a song for Bieber. Let's let's, you know, do it. I love that. And yeah, the few, you know, I've done some writing for other people, a lot of songs that aren't out. Um, but I think where I usually uh, go is like having a interesting concept yeah and usually i work better with people who it has a slightly darker twist <laughs> to it <laughs> that makes sense yeah so um the song blackout uh yeah. well the song and the video yes. because the video yes. is wild oh, uh let's talk you. about the video it's yes. dope it's so cool and creepy and twisted but so fun yeah and first off, who's the dude who's playing? What do you call that? The Beetlejuice? It's like a blue Yes, uh, like Beezlebub. Beezlebub, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like a creature actor 
previous cool. uh, basketball player, six foot uh, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. He's okay. great. So he actually is that tall. He was, was that tall. That. And then right. sometimes we would have him stand on a stool to be okay. even taller. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So talk about putting that video together. Because also I saw how many people, speaking of collaborations, how many people were a part of the making yeah. of that. Um, as an indie artist yourself, oh, yeah. like how do you do that? Um, well, I had the idea when I was about three days sober oh. and I had started, the song wasn't finished at all, but yeah. I started writing this kind of 1950s inspired melody about, you know, this unrequited love and the love being addiction and, you know, alcohol. Mm. And uh, I had this idea for like the dancing with the devil metaphor. And I reached out to the director around a year and a half before we shot it. Mm. I reached out to the makeup artist probably eight months before we shot it. Wow. And got her on board. Cool. And because uh, I was just like wanted to make it happen, even though the the idea was much bigger than the budget. Right. Um, this director, did, was this director a friend or were you an admirer um, of their work? He directed a video for a girl named Maddie Noise. Okay. And the video is kind of like zombies and, you know, it it he's very like theatrical and I yeah. knew he would be able to do the idea well. And so, yeah, I mean, thankfully actually all the merch orders helped me like fund it. Um, even though it definitely could have been, you know, have a little more funding, but, um, yeah, I literally was trying to get people on board. I ended up, the location was, um, Bonnie McKee, who's become a friend of mine. Oh, cool. So she wow. hooked it up. It was Amazing. shot at her house. Um, she live in uh, L.A.? Yeah. Or? Okay, yeah. cool. So, Did you uh, shoot that during quarantine? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, cool. Totally safe. Um, yeah. And then my mom did this, like, helped me do the styling and, like, hmm. yeah. And so the makeup artist that did uh, Beezlebub also did my makeup. So we, like, pulled in a lot of favors yeah, to get that done. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So, okay, so you funded it with merch sales. Yes. Talk about that that uh you have a very impressive merch line how did that come to be i know you designed all yeah. yourself but but talk about the process of getting merch up and um it. well it's funny i my first mothica shirt ever like it took me like years and years to sell <laughs> like no one bought them yeah. but um i started at the beginning of quarantine sketching this like you know fake metal band looking shirt and I wanted merch that just, like, you would wear it even if you don't know my music. Yeah, um, love that. So I created this, like, kind of metal moth logo. And mm -hmm. then uh, I started bleaching them when I was in Oklahoma and sold, like, probably 1,500 bleached shirts. Whoa. <laughs> that me and my mom and dad created an assembly line. and So bleached you <laughs> actually made these shirts by hand? Well, the shirts were printed. Okay. From an Oklahoma company. Okay. And then we would uh, bleach them and dry them. And That's yeah. Easy. I would never be able to do that if I was in my little studio apartment. You know, like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, thanks, mom uh, and dad. Right. And then um, what was the promotion? Like, how did people know that you had them? Was it all through TikTok? Was it. Yeah, so I think that was right after Vices came out. Okay. So that helped. But then I made a video, like, how to bleach shirts i did a oh tutorial and the tutorial i mean i posted that in like 700 orders like the next day oh. yeah 
brilliant. I know. Oh my gosh, that's like that's so great. Okay, and, and I'm like, I'm telling you how to do it. Yeah. You know, you can do it yourself. <laughs> the tutorial was on TikTok. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was like you got to become best friends with the postal post office yeah. in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I think that merch company said that it was like the second biggest order from them. Other than like a college, so yeah, it was like, nice. Wow, that's cool. What merch platform do you Shopify or what's the e-commerce um, pla- store? Uh, now I'm with a merch company okay. um, called Sandbag. Okay, and they actually like started with like Radiohead. Oh wow! And okay. they do so many. They're all like you know in the rock and roll space, and so they're, they're now really cool. handling printing and fulfillment, and so you don't have to like yes package and ship it out yeah yourself so they ship okay. it out now Got it. um and that's pretty new yeah, yeah yeah that's so helpful yeah we just did a review on ari's take on the print on demand oh, yeah. companies, which is super helpful when you don't have to have, to have all the inventory yeah. that there are companies out there because like with sandbag and, uh, and these other merch companies that are for like artists of a certain s- level are fantastic but not every artist is at that level and they're just at the point where it's like i really don't want to stuff 500 shirts in my closet because mm-hmm. I don't have that room mm-hmm. and I also don't want to have to make a bunch of trips to the post office but none of these merch companies will take me so there are some print-on-demand companies which are really nice yeah um, to have and we've experimented with when tested a bunch of them out and that can be great um, so okay so you sold a boatload of merch which is amazing uh, helped fund the video. Was yes. that like after you you sold the merch? It's like, all right, let's go. And you called up your director and be like, all right, we can do this now. Yes, actually. And um, even at the last minute, uh, I started selling some one of a kind Mothica shirts on Depop mm. where I would find old like gas station shirts, like cheesy looking like fairies and dragons yeah. and just put the Mothica logo on that. And so last minute to get a little extra funding, I did that because cool. my my idea was like would better be suited for an actual major label budget, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I tried to get it together as I could, and cool. I put everyone who bought a shirt's like name in the description, awesome. and yeah, yeah, very cool. So have you since everything is kind of really blown up this year for you? Have you been approached by major labels? Yes. <laughs> and what is has been the decision to stay independent or yeah. are you going to stay independent? Um, I am staying independent. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, it was funny. Like the two days after Vices came out, I yeah. was like just wall to wall with like meetings and all these labels that, you know, I dreamed of being on yeah. and the conversation. Um, and I think... A lot of it came down to the timing of it, and I wanted to get my album out within, like, a month. And I knew that if I signed, it might be pushed back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got this album out, but I already had plans for what I'm doing next. Like, my January, like, the next year is already, to me, planned. And um, so I was just like, I'm going to see how far I can take it on my own. And if the right partnership came, possibly. But right now, it's just me and my manager and... My mom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How long have you been with your manager? Oh, probably like two months. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And who is this manager? Oh, his name's Danny Seelis. Okay. And how did that relationship come to be? Um. Well, he used to manage Good Charlotte, okay. which is epic. Cool. Um. 
but uh, another artist, so funny, Absofacto. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had a song called Dissolve that was uh-huh. huge on TikTok. It was number one on alt radio. And I had been listening to Absofacto since I was in high school. Huh. I like reached out to him for chords yeah. when I was in high school. <laughs> That's amazing. And randomly when I got on TikTok and my moment was happening, he we reconnected and cool. he was like, oh, you should meet my manager. Ah. So, yeah. And, th- and that's how it happened. And that's how it happened. Yeah. Amazing. So, have you been self-managed this whole time before? Have you had no, other managers? I've had, I've had like four managers. Okay. <laughs> okay. And there was little bouts of me doing it my own. But one thing is like, I am so, I'm like kind of bad at filling people in. Like, I just okay. go, 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 go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I do a lot of it. A lot of the sessions and the producers I meet is just usually Instagram DMs. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome. And very yeah. encouraging. And probably for the best that you didn't go with a, a label because if you're go, 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 mm. they're wait, wait, wait. And you might Ooh. it might have been two years before you got out your, your record. That was another hard thing uh, with the label conversations was... You know, I have this new song coming out in January, mm-hmm. uh, and I already have the date, January 29th. It's a very important day. It's the 10-year anniversary of um, my suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. It's a song about that. Like, there's no way I'm putting it out any other day. And some of these labels would be like, oh, that's kind of soon. Like, why don't you push it back? And I'm like, you know, as soon as they say something like that, I'm yeah. like, nope. Like, can't change that. Yeah. So hopefully I can have the freedom to do that. and. Yeah. It'll work. This episode is brought to you by the MLC, the Mechanical Licensing Collective. Don't tune out. This is really important. If you're a songwriter based in the United States, you need to listen to this. If you've never heard of the MLC, well, it's time that you've heard of them. This is the organization that was set up by the Music Modernization Act, but in 2018, all of this nonsense you don't actually need to know. That's not important. What is important is that if you are a songwriter and you do not have a publishing company, you are not collecting all of your songwriter royalties, specifically your mechanical royalties. There are two kinds of songwriter royalties when your songs are streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, and the rest. Those are performance royalties, which are collected by your performing rights organization, like an ASCAP or a BMI. And there are mechanical royalties. These royalties are now, by law, only collected by the MLC. So if you're not a member of the MLC, you're not getting these royalties unless you have a publisher. If you don't have a publishing company or an independent songwriter, you need to sign up for the MLC to get your mechanical royalties. And you need to sign up for, of course, a performing arts organization to get your performance royalties. So head on over to themlc.com and sign on up. Thank me later. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm talking to more artists and obviously I'm a little biased because of everything that I teach and talk about and do. Uh, But so many artists are having the label conversations Mm -hmm. and deciding to continue on their own because like, I don't really need you. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, you're promising the world, but like my world's actually kind of okay right now and it's growing and building and it feels right. And I have control and I don't have to give up ownership and all of that stuff. Um, so you have so you're working with AWOL as distribution and for people who are listening who don't know, uh, they're not a label, but they offer some label services is what yes. they're called. Um, and it varies. I've talked to people like uh, Lauv's team where oh, they yeah. did the world for him. And then I've talked to people like uh, 
me who AWOL didn't do shit for. So it's kind of like, you know, and and everyone in between. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's, it's, uh, for one, how long have you been working with them? Uh, I was with them for two years. Okay. Yeah. And um, like two years ago, you yeah, started with them? Yeah, I signed like a little distribution deal with them two years ago. And what was the decision to go with them? And do you feel like it was worthwhile? And are you sticking with them? Um. Well, I have to give them props for taking a chance on me and helping me out financially for a little bit. Okay. Um, Oh, so it was like an advanced deal. Yeah, it was like a second tier deal. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that that helped a lot. Uh, But, yeah, I would say a lot of the opportunities that that happened were from social media and Mm -hmm. not from anywhere else. So it's just like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, let's back up a little bit too because um not every most artists who are totally independent mm-hmm. who, you know, um they're not getting offers for even advances from distributors or anybody. Mm-hmm. Um where were you at the time 2 years ago in terms of like your your streams or your tours well, or releases or Yeah, what's actually really funny is 2 years ago I had identical numbers on my streaming like oh wow i had about 25 million uh uh, plays that year or whatever from the spotify wrapped you know but i didn't have any followers i because i was doing all these songs that were like my vocals but no one was following me as an artist interesting but they were listening to my music passively on playlists yeah and so now i'm like (laughs) back to that but people are following me as an artist yeah. which is like shown like how much that matters you know that's such an important point because i think we're so obsessed with the numbers these mm-hmm. days and the the vanity metrics of everything mm-hmm. and like they only tell one part of the story yeah that's so interesting that two years ago your numbers were the same as they are now because it feels like your whole world blew up this year well it went down and w- then it went <laughs> yeah it went down for sure yeah and i got back to where i was <laughs> right well it, but that's like but now they're real fans yeah. whereas before they were just like you said passive listeners which is such an important distinction because you probably wouldn't have sold 700 t-shirts in a day two well, years ago no not at all right <laughs> oh i played a tour and uh i couldn't play one show because no one came are you so, serious? Yeah. Oh, that's it so was, encouraging. Great. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> cool. But it looked better on Instagram, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, like, I didn't tell Instagram. Through. Well, actually, now I would tell Instagram that. Yeah. But, you know, I think the difference is then is I was an artist that had more mystery to me. Yeah. And I liked that polished look. Yeah. And yeah. now what I've found is the more honest I've been, um, the more I've connected with people. That is, uh, yeah, I, I've noticed that from you is that um, you are very open. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you do have such a distinct aesthetic and brand, if you will, um, you seem that that's what seems like why so many people connect with you on such a deep level is that you are so open about it. I mean, you're, you're very open about uh, your history with, um, with drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. your suicide attempt, all of that, uh, you know, um, being, um, 
sexually assaulted mm-hmm. when you were young, like a teen- young teenager mm-hmm. from your church pastor. Like this is all stuff that I learned from watching various interviews or your little uh, mini documentary that yeah. you made for Blue Hour. And talk about that experience of being so open because it, not every artist is that open when it comes to those like really intense, serious, challenging yeah. personal topics. I think maybe it's a way I cope with things is just laying it all out on the table. Yeah. And I've kind of always been that way, even in high school. Um, I was, you know, making vlogs and blogs and Mm. writing my thoughts like a diary to the internet. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I've even been better at talking to strangers about Mm. my personal life than like, you know, one-on-one like conversations. Um, but yeah. And and a lot of it is like wanting to share that story because I'm constantly in awe of how far I've come mm. given my circumstances yep. or where I was. And, you know, I've always had that drive because of those things that like happened. Yeah. And, and then also some part of it I think is like wanting to be as open as possible so that if anyone were to throw that in my face, it wouldn't hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, was that, were you, when you kind of started as Mothic of the Artist, uh, was that a part of your story from the beginning or was that something that, uh, you separated for a while, like with your private blogs or vlogs or something. And then as the artist, you're like, well, I'm, I'm over here now. I always talked about, um, the suicide attempt and every year I'd make a post about that. Um, but I never shared about any, you know, a substance abuse or, you know, because I was in the middle of it. Sure. You know, if anything, yeah. I was trying to hide it. But yeah. um, I never shared that until basically I started deciding that I wanted to quit um, drinking. And I, I started being really honest with myself and seeing that the reason why I even got to that point. Well, one, I think uh, genetically I have addiction, mm. but okay. um, why I was even led was because of the my upbringing mm. and like I wanted to people to kind of understand that because I saw videos of someone talking about their experience mm. and that's how I learned what mine was yeah you know wow. and I like there's like a language that you learn from other people telling their story that then they can maybe find something in their story that makes it make sense yeah, yeah. that's great um have have people reached out to you who are struggling and and say that hearing your story has um you know made them think differently or try certain things or anything like that yeah yeah i've i've received so many messages of people that have you know have either you know gotten sober or maybe been assaulted and Mm -hmm. they tell me that they relate to that um and now i'm trying to work on you know involving more of my listeners and like upcoming projects Mm -hmm. because I can't like respond to everything. Um, and I want to like showcase and, you know, highlight their voices and their experience because that's, what's crazy is like, you know, you don't meet a girl that hasn't had a negative experience, you know, with a man like growing up, like it's just so common. Um, but yeah, it's really like, I mean, I like cry reading my messages all the time. I have Mm. to like not read them. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's a lot. Yeah. Right. Do you think about that uh, when there's like you're about to go into a session? You're like, you know what? 
I'm not going to open Instagram right now because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, what you know, and I don't want it to affect this going yeah. in. Or on the flip side, let me read all my DMs before this session because I want to open up. <laughs> no, I haven't done that, but there's okay. definitely some sessions where I'll want to write a song about something really personal. Yeah. But then I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I actually want to go into that today. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, tell me about it. I'm like, no, <laughs> never. Well, let's write about breakups. <laughs> right, right. Do you have when you're doing when you're doing those blind date writing sessions in New York? Um, was it the like? first half hour just talking and getting to know each other kind of uh, oh, yeah. thing okay yeah and uh yeah with vices um there's the whole page in the i think i shared this on instagram of like the little notes of when i was talking and we were writing down like little phrases cool um because i knew i wanted a song called vices mm -hmm. i tried to write a song called vices many times actually mm -hmm. and it's funny, like, it kind of started because I was like, yeah, well, I don't drink anymore, but now I'm uh, addicted to dating, and mm. I'm going on, like, so many Tinder dates before quarantine. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'd go on, like, two in a day, like, meet someone for coffee. Wow. Yeah, and or I started playing Candy Crush Saga, like, <laughs> obsessively. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm just replacing it with something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so with, with Vice's... I think I counted five co-writers on that. Is that right? Does that sound right? Um, yeah, so there was two uh, songwriters, okay. and then there was the producer okay. who did the first session, uh. and we made, like, the beat was very different. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we took it to another producer named David Burris, who's done a lot of my other songs. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so they both have songwriting credit on it. Yeah. Right? I was, like, just looking at the Spotify credits, and it listed all of them. Yeah. Both the producer. Anyway, so... Um, when it, when I guess with that session, like how does the, how does a session like that for people that don't do a lot of those kinds of sessions where they're writing for themselves necessarily, mm -hmm. maybe they're going to write it for, like, how did that work? Do you go and you have uh, a producer you had, was there another songwriter in the room with you at the time too? There's like three yeah, of you. Yeah. So there was, uh, four? two songwriters, uh, Becca and Eva, uh -huh. and then a producer named Jack. And we were like in his living room. Uh huh. And uh, I was talking about the vices and the concepts, mm. and we started out with, like, I feel like I'm just passing by. Um, and he was creating a beat while we were, like, kind of singing mm -hmm. um, the song. It's, like, I, it's hard to even remember, sure. like, the exact order of it, but... Is that how it typically goes, is that uh, when you do a session, you're always with someone who is... Um what do they call it? Like, like, uh, control, like in the, in the driver's seat yeah. behind the computer, making the beats as you're working on it. Do you always kind of write that way? It, sometimes they'll have something they've already made. Okay. Um, but yeah, I prefer to like hear some of the sounds to inspire me. Like I very rarely like just write sitting at a piano or on guitar. Okay. A lot of it's like the production is happening while we're writing it. When you're writing, um, on your own, will you pull up uh, a like a production idea that you've done or something that someone has sent to you or break out a session that you did? or how, What's that process Yeah. Like? Um, if I'm writing, if I have like a piano, I, I will write over the most basic chords you've okay. ever heard. Yeah. And uh, what I started doing actually in quarantine, I have a song coming out called Buzzkill, mm -hmm. and I wrote 
the original idea over like a random YouTube beat huh. and then completely <laughs> changed it. Yeah. But I'd never done that. And mm. I heard another artist that had done that and, you know, it worked out. Now I'm like one of my favorite songs. Cool. <laughs> so then how did you create, did you, when you met up with the producer for that, were you like, Hey, so this is my demo. We don't have the rights to, or it's like this random well, YouTube thing or how did the, so I ended happen? up like, uh, singing, you know, recording myself singing the lyrics. Okay. And then I sent the acapella to my producer. So, like, he never even oh. really worked with the beat. Cool. cool. But I wrote it over the beat. Yeah. That's a great songwriting tactic and technique. Yeah. I always, I love hearing what uh, tricks that songwriters use sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, um, Dan Wilson, who, uh, he wrote, co-wrote Someone Like You with Adele. Cool. Uh, he's the original guy. Um, so he's a singer on Closing Time. So his band Semi-Sonic oh, back in the nice. day did Closing Time. But now he co-writes with everybody. He's got mm -hmm. Taylor Swift cuts. He's got John Legend cuts. Um, someone Like You, which is going to pay for the rest of his life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but what he was saying, he was doing this, uh, he does this... Um, words and music little sharing sessions sometimes just for a few people and um he was saying he's like oh yeah so this one this song came from a Coldplay song and he's like how how i do it is like if i need some inspiration i'll start playing their song for a while and i'll learn the song i'll just start playing their song he's like is if i play their song long enough it ceases to become their song and starts to become my song oh interesting and i'm like if dan wilson can do that so yeah. can i and i'm gonna try to do that too and it's a that's another like really cool technique uh, that tends to work sometimes if if the inspiration's not there. And so I, mm -hmm. I love that you just kind of pulled up a YouTube beat and it's like, all yes. right, let's use this as inspiration. So, yeah, I yeah. yeah, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was like you know guitar, you sad guitar emo <laughs> pop song. You know, yeah. <laughs> do you ever get in touch with that that person who made that and be like, hey, just want to know you really inspired me no, one day? Okay. No, but you don't want to get a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that makes sense. Um, cool. So, where are you at now with everything? The album is out. Um, mm. You've been putting out music videos. Um, I'm curious, well, actually, what was the release strategy? I, th I saw you release like seven singles oh, yeah. before the album. Yeah. Um, so that was, there's a band called Oh Wonder that was doing like a single that. a month for yeah. a year. And then at the end, it was the album. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that, you know, when I, ha my singles always performed better than mm -hmm. the, you know, songs on the EP. So I kind of just wanted to let each, each song have its own moment. And a lot of that <laughs> was me finishing the song right before I put it out. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, my first album was not the most uh, planned out process of all time. But it's funny, I had the title Blue Hour for, like, years and years before it had came oh. out. So, yeah, so I did the singles thing. And then, um, and then finally wrapped it all together and, and put it out um and still waiting on the vinyl okay. <laughs> that's something i won't do again oh it's like oh God. vinyl actually takes a really long it time takes okay so long you really have to plan for that <laughs> oh um, i did not plan for that <laughs> yeah so are they gonna be shipped now to your merch company or are they gonna ship be shipped to you or to the person who ordered um, them directly i think they're gonna be shipped to the merch company okay, and then go nice. through that's there helpful. yeah cool that 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 always takes a while. There are vinyl print-on-demand companies, really? too. Like, there's this company. There's a few of them now. Uh, one called Crates, Q-R-A-T-E-S. That's been around for a while. 
they initially started as like a crowdfunding for vinyl kind of thing, mm-hmm. meaning like you're you set a minimum of like a hundred, and if you get more than a hundred, they'll make it, and then they'll ship them, print them, and ship them directly to people. If you only reach like seventy, then you don't get it. Kind of, oh, like okay. kind of make or break. Um, but now they're just like a print-on-demand vinyl, which is great for people who you know don't want to actually or don't have the money to order you know a thousand oh yeah oh yeah yeah. i'm doing a super small quantity okay yeah um but i i ended up designing the whole layout and everything myself Mm -hmm. cool every all everything so Uh, if there's typos on brand that's on me (laughs) cool so when you were planning this release uh for i guess for the singles and then the album at that time, did you have a manager or a collaborator, or, or were you just doing that all on your um, own and mom? I was kind of in between management at the beginning of the album. Okay. Actually, I kind of stopped working with my manager at the very beginning of the album. I, gotcha. I like, uh, I when I stopped drinking, I started like before I stopped drinking, my releases were. I feel like very shoddily put together mm. and I didn't care mm. that much. I mean, I cared, but um, when I stopped drinking, I really took control of everything. Mm-hmm. And like, I became way more productive, way more involved. Um, and uh, there's a little bit, I didn't have a manager, Yeah. but uh, I mean, like everything changed in my life and I've like never had more energy. Yeah. What was the that. strategy of like each of those singles? Like, what do you do other than upload it like create the cover upload it to AWOL and like just post about it when it comes out like what was your strategy yeah so the little mini doc was I put out before the songs I think um that I really wanted you know a little thing about me and about Mm -hmm. all the things that really make me and why this album is so important to me in one place yeah and I got to shoot that in my hometown it's so well done. Oh, Who thank did you. That blue hour mini doc. Uh, so it was directed by Hunter Lyon, okay. who's gone on to do some really great videos for like Mark Hoppus and uh, Black Bear. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, the video was basically like produced by me because it was in my hometown. So sure. yeah. all the locations, it was like my old high school, I had yeah. to get them, and <laughs> the house I grew up in, cool. like had to let them let me back in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And was that uh, your church that you grew up in too? No, okay. yeah. I would imagine so they would not want you telling that story. That or. was uh, the most difficult part was um, because I wanted to share my experience with the the church yeah. and how you know, basically that I was, you know, assaulted. Yeah. There was no church that I was going to be able to shoot in, especially and tie that. So we found an abandoned church in the middle of um, Oklahoma. Wow. Like in this tiny town. Mm. And actually, like it got demolished the day after we shot in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Were you there for the demolition? That <laughs> no, was, but. Okay. <laughs> that would have been like therapeutic. It was, yeah. It was like swarming yeah. with wasps. Wow. And yeah. So it worked out because yeah. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell this story. And, sure. You know. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So that's a I mean, that was really cool. That mini doc. And you learn so much in such a short period. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like three minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, So you had that before the first single. Or I was think the, so. Right yeah. Yeah. It was okay. like I'm pretty sure it was like the Blue Hour like album trailer. Yeah. 
And were you yeah. releasing a single a month? Was that how you were doing about it? About a month or like six weeks okay. was the yeah. the plan. And it was kind of just going based on like um, gut of what song felt like it should come out next. Cool, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, were you working with a publicist or anything at the time? Uh, no, I really don't. Uh, I've worked with a few publicists. Yeah. But um, for the most part, I would usually just send emails myself. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's great. And that, that's worked for you? Yeah. 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 Usually when I have time to do yeah. it. Right, But right. Um, I didn't get, like, many blogs. It actually, it was amazing when Vices came out. Um, BuzzFeed reached out, and I yeah. got to do a feature with that, which was, like, amazing. Like, I didn't even have to yeah. beg them to listen to I my music. I was wondering how that came to be, because that, that was a really cool piece that kind of showed, because, like, yeah, she blew up on TikTok, and now yeah. she's on Billboard charts. And yeah. 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 So, um, cool. So, I mean, it's funny how, like, it just happened organically, that TikTok. That wasn't part of, because right now, in every label marketing meeting, TikTok is mentioned. They're like, yes. all right, what's our TikTok strategy? We're going to dump $100,000 into yes. influencing your campaigns, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Like, you've never, I mean, it goes without saying, but just for the record, uh, you haven't, like, paid influencers or paid anybody to promote stuff on TikTok, have you? I have paid, uh, I got a girl to make a custom Furby. Ah. A TikToker. Uh-huh. And uh, so she made a TikTok about the Furby based on my album. Amazing. Okay. That was cool. my marketing idea. Yeah. Um Did it did it was it worthwhile? Actually, yeah. Like okay. I uh it got like half a million views. Her th- video? <laughs> my reaction to it, yeah. Amazing. So it's like this naked it's like a naked Furby that's blue and has tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is not to be confused with the one that you made yes. in high school that was like or That's college. another Furby right. moment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you have a thing with Furbies. I love Furbies. All yeah. Right. <laughs> They're just so weird. Right. Got it. Okay. So that is interesting. So, um, but were you a kind of already established a little bit on TikTok when you hit her up? Or was um, this Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just hit her up, commissioned her to, like, make the Furby, and, you know, she sent it to me, and I made some videos with it. Um, And then I did a thing called, like, the Pass the Vice Challenge, which I asked a bunch of creators to, like, uh, catch something in the air and then drop it Mm. of what their vice was. And sometimes it would be, like, a Nintendo Switch, and then sometimes it would be, like, a pack of cigarettes. Mm. And um, that was all just me messaging people. And asking them, yeah. Just asking. Yeah. It was, like, amazing. It worked out right when that moment was happening. Mm, cool. Um, but that's the, that's the really thing smart. is, like, the song didn't, like, really become a TikTok song. You know, yeah. like, it only has probably 4,000 videos made with it. Yeah. But um, what's amazing is people listen to the song outside of the app. So. Right. right. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, trying anything and seeing what sticks i mean i watch so many videos and kind of learned what other people were doing Mm. so if if an artist is like all right i'm gonna release my album or i got some singles coming out i want tiktok to be part of the strategy what would you recommend to them that they start with or that they do let's say they're not even on tiktok yet or what do what do you recommend? Yeah, I think what I always think about is what is something I can like give back to people that are watching. Mm-hmm. So like with the um 
I've done behind the scenes of how I got this shot. Yeah. Um, sh- done a little tutorial. Cool. Um, I've shared what the lyrics mean to me. Yeah. Um, That's what's actually really cool and surprising to me, and I, I wonder if you've thought about this much. The videos of what we could be called like sell like promotion, where where really you're focused on your music or talking about your music actually do really, really well and seem to get a really good response. And even some of the ones that are like more TikTok-y sometimes don't get as good of a response mm-hmm. as like your ones that are focused on the music where it's like almost the opposite on a lot of other platforms. Whereas like when you're posting uh, like, you know, uh, about the new song on Instagram, it's just like, okay, you know, 100 likes. But then when you like post a really crazy <laughs> photo of yourself or it's like a thousand likes like wait what like yeah come on like i spent my whole life my three years working on this record and like nobody cares but so how does that like have you thought about yeah what? definitely i think um what i've learned is you know uh tiktok really gravitates to like very raw videos yeah. like it doesn't have to be fancy lighting at all yeah um very authentic you know storytelling i guess um and talking about your music is authentic to you yeah and yeah um but you know if i post a clip from the music video no one watches that wow that's so (laughs) So interesting so it's like yeah it really rewards like even like uh i've noticed a lot of the most popular uh tiktok videos are either people in their car just talking Mm. or like in front of a mirror Mm. and holding their like phone up yeah and i think something is very like relatable about that setting that feels like you're absorbing information, I guess. I don't know. Cool. (laughs) If, would you recommend, uh, artists these days, um, if they do have a little bit of a budget to go the higher, like paying influencers on TikTok to do that? Or do you, have you found that that isn't as effective? Try it. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, coming up with some, little clever idea for what it could be um i haven't had haven't really done anything for my songs um but i see it working a lot for um like upsall her song drugs i don't know if you know it but Uh right now it's having a moment because there's this one filter that perfectly matches up with the lyrics oh wow like the delay of the filter matches up with the song Mm. and it and um crazy yeah that's like that's like wizard of oz dark side of the moon how they they match up if you play at the second i know i was like do i have a song that does that no (laughs) that's the 2020 version of of dark side yeah yeah when you're when your tiktok filter matches up with your lyrics yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um cool okay yeah i mean it is so interesting uh, just like how the trends shift and evolve so quickly because i've heard both ways i've heard some people say unless you have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on tiktok influencer marketing it's not worth it but then i've also heard people that you know are having success uh you know more so just like i guess kind of organically growing it themselves yeah i think if you have the budget to try it because you never know yeah what what it could do Mm -hmm. um do you just message other people uh directly like do you find them on instagram and dm them there uh, sometimes yeah i mean luckily um because i'm verified on uh instagram i ended up being verified on tiktok Uh that helps a lot um one thing that actually helps a lot is uh 
I comment on a lot of videos oh. um, and either say something funny or yeah. whatever. And um, I mean, comments can go viral. Like there can be 50,000 likes on a comment, wow. you know? Wow. And cool. Yeah. That's a great strategy, actually. That's a really good tactic to start with. Yeah. And people cool. will be like, I think <laughs> people will always be coming like, I see you everywhere. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's smart. And I've also seen you jump on a, um, I, some of the, the sound trends once in yes, a while yeah if you found that that kind of works a little bit i think that's super important yeah um because i've seen some musicians like um only post uh their music yeah and because it's not a recognizable sound in tiktok like the algorithm won't push it mm -hmm. so you kind of have to like intersperse it with mm -hmm. um popular sound trends and you know sometimes i'll just have an idea for whatever is yeah happening at that moment and cool do that right right it's great <laughs> awesome well this is so interesting i uh i have one final question yes. that i ask everybody who comes Ooh, on the show okay. um what does it mean to you to make it in the new music ooh. business ooh, ooh, that's a good one um to me, to, to make it, like, understood by other people or, like, to me personally? To you. Okay. To me personally, it's to be able to pull off my ideas and financially be able to do that. Cool. You know, one, one thing, my biggest, you know, goal right now is to make really compelling music videos and these concepts and these merch, merch items that maybe you can't find easily and to be like respected that like I can have this idea and I can make it happen. Mm. That's like all I've wanted. Yeah. So cool. luckily it's starting to kind of happen. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Yeah. Mathika, thank you so yeah, much for coming thank on you. the show. Thank you. Once again, this episode is brought to you by the MLC, the Mechanical Licensing Collective. This is a very new organization now in the United States. This is the only organization that collects mechanical royalties. What are mechanical royalties? Well, if you're a songwriter, that's one of the kinds of royalties that you earn. You can earn performance royalties when your songs are streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the rest. But you also earn mechanical royalties. If you're only signed up for a performing rights organization like ASCAP or BMI, you're missing out on all of your mechanical royalties. That is a lot of your royalties, your songwriter royalties. The only way to get these mechanical royalties right now by law is by signing up for the MLC. They collect your mechanical royalties. So head on over to themlc.com and sign on up. <laughs>